Greetings. Welcome back. This is the We Read Books podcast. We read books, and then we talk about them with each other and with you. Aww. <laughs> and that's Winnie. And that's Matt. Ooh. <laughs> the whole crew is here. Yep. I'm going to start singing just the two of us. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That would be really funny, though. <laughs> I do like to I like to sing randomly. Oh, yeah. Me it's too. It's so fun. Mostly to the dogs. I was going to say the dogs are the main audience yeah. and the main subject of said songs. Yeah. But every once in a while, it could just be, you know, randomly. Whatever. You know, <laughs> like, um, I like to sing, like, Jean Ralphio and Mona Lisa yes. a lot. Just the funniest. They're my favorite. <laughs> Jury actually just sent me a text earlier today. They got a, like a new dog, and she said she's gonna name it Jean Ralphio. Yeah. Like, oh my god! Please do that. <laughs> Every dog should be named Jean Ralphio. Uh, he's from my, here on out. <laughs> he's my favorite character. I love it. He really is. His personality is very random, like a dog. Yeah, it is, and he's got like that hair. Yes. Oh, Perfect. Boy. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and he's like in the show the perfect amount. Not yeah, not too much and like not, you know, like where where was that funny guy? It's like yeah. you know where he is exactly. and you see him when you need to. Exactly. And you're just like, mm, I love John Ralphio. I wish he was in it more. But he's not because you don't want to get tired of him. Right. Because you mm. would. You would. Because that's a lot. <laughs> Money please. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us, please. <laughs> so I will start a fire in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I've watched that show too much. Yes, I do have a dog named April after Parks and Rec. Absolutely. So. You when, must. Uh, yes. And really, we thought about before we got April, we had met her when she was three weeks old. But before we had actually gotten her, mm-hmm. we were going through the whole what do we name this mm-hmm. puppy? Mm-hmm. And the f- we were deep in watching Parks and Rec. <laughs> well, I mean, we always kind of are. And we were like, Leslie? No. And we were out one night at the Peanut and Lee Summit. Mm-hmm. It's a high class place. <laughs> and we walked, they have like an outdoor patio seating. And we walked out and some rando don't know who this guy was, but he pointed right in my face and he was like, oh my God, it's April Ludgate. <laughs> and I was like, are you talking to me? I can't tell if I'm scared or um, flattered. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so we were like, well, let's just name her April. Perfect. They're, I mean, they even have an episode where they are like giving everyone their like spirit dog, dog. version. Yeah. So it makes sense. <laughs> April... My April is definitely an April. Yes, like, she is. For sure. She's a little standoffish. She wants to like you. She yeah. thinks. But when you win her loyalty. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And when she wants to be alone to lay on the couch, she's alone <laughs> on the couch. You better back off. <laughs> Leave her alone. She'll like grunt if you like try to move her. She's like. <clears throat> Excuse me. Did I say that you could move me? Exactly. No. <laughs> apparently we also uh on top of reading books like parks and rec too so yeah you know 
TV shows that. Right. <laughs> the Office is, a, is in the mix, too. Oh. Just in case yeah. anyone ever wondered. Jury used to have a cat that she named Steve Jobs Carell, so... <laughs> That's really good. She's really good at naming dogs. She really is. <laughs> Are all of mine named after cartoons? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's see. Arthur. That's... I suggested Arthur because of Arthur Weasley. Right. Book character. Book character. But Dakota didn't, I didn't say, ooh, let's name him after Arthur Weasley. And I was just yeah. like, what about Arthur? And we can yeah. call him Artie. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I like it. And then it stuck, because we already had him at this point. Right. And it stuck. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> one, one over. <laughs> Got a Harry Potter character in there. Yep. Hudson, after cartoon, Gargoyles. Yeah. It was pretty appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was cranky oh. and old, but... <laughs> Precious and adorable. Uh, Mabel from Mabel Pines, Gravity Falls, also suits her just perfectly well. Yeah. Spastic, but sweet. <laughs> but yeah. don't mess with her. <laughs> oh, but she's so cute in the face. I know. she got the innocent, sweet face. And then Ramona, Ramona Flowers. Mm-hmm. I guess not a cartoon, but a comic book slash yeah. live action movie. I always think of Ramona and Beezus. Oh, I haven't... They're books. We could read remote, the Ramona books. That would be fun. I used to like those a lot. Those That's what I was reading um, until I was exposed to Harry Potter and then my whole life changed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like nine. Yeah, we should definitely do like those and like, you know, I've always thought we could throw a random like Goosebumps book in there, mm-hmm. you know, get some, get some good. <laughs> yeah. Goosebumps were super popular whenever I was in like elementary school. Yeah. I didn't, I think I read like one of them maybe, but not, not a ton of them. I watched the show, but I did read the, I'm assuming it was like a Goosebumps knockoff. They were called, um, I think Shivers. Mm. And there was one that was about animals that either talked or could communicate with people. And Mm -hmm. it was scary. Like these were violent animals. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird when I think about some of the books that were really popular when mm-hmm. I was young, third, fourth, fifth grade, like the scary stories to tell in the dark books. Mm-hmm. Those are legitimately scary. I didn't read the books and I actually didn't know about them until the movie came out. Oh, but yeah. If the, if the stories were just like they were in the movie, terrifying. <laughs> Dude. They were huge when I was, like, fourth, fifth grade. Mm -hmm. I remember tons of kids getting them at the library. That one with, like, the cover itself is scary. Mm -hmm. It's like a disembodied head. Yeah. Is it, is it the jangly man or whatever? I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking, like, I don't know. know. In the the movie, there was a character that seemed to, like, fall apart and chase after. (laughs) There was. It was creepy as heck. So, there's, like, a, a list because there are three volumes, I think, mm. and there's a list on the internet that ranks them from like the most scary. Uh huh. And the 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 most scary is one. Is it called Hank? Anyway, it's about these two guys 
that create this scarecrow mm-hmm. and they name it like Hank. Yes. And so the scarecrow is there for them to like go and like beat up and take out their frustration. And then he comes to life and he takes off their skin. He peels them. This is a children's book. He peels them. Wow. And the, they, they're the, dead. The movie didn't even do that. He just stuffed him full of straw, I think. Or maybe straw started growing in him from the inside out. Mm. Gosh, I can't remember now, but... Yeah. it's <laughs> Peeling so... skin is pretty aggressive. A, even for an adult book, if yeah. not a child, a they're children's f- book. Filleting. Woof. Horrifying. But there's... <laughs> so whenever I get in my car at night... Mm-hmm. I always look in the back seat. Always. For the scarecrow? No. <laughs> There's another story from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And it has stuck with me my whole life. Oh, my gosh. So it's called High Beams. Okay. And it's it's like a an urban legend as well, I think. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's like the person in the back seat. Mm-hmm. So the girl's just driving, and there's a car behind her, like, flashing their lights. And she's like, oh, my God, what is this person doing? And they follow her all the way to her house, and she's freaking out that this car that's following her is going to murder her. Mm-hmm. And the guy jumps out, and he's like, there's someone in your backseat. And there's a guy back there with a knife in her car. Yeah. 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 I read that I didn't know. Child. I didn't know that was a scary stories story. I just always knew it as an urban legend. So yeah. now I know the origin. I read it. As a child, and I'm like... Oh, if I get in my car... Like, when I leave your house and I'm on my way home, like, if halfway through I realize, oh, shoot, I didn't check the back seat, I get a little freaked out. <laughs> yeah. And I always... I keep so much shit in my car for... Because, listen, I'm really messy. But <laughs> also, a human person is not going to fit in my back seat. Not without notice. Nope. They can't climb under all that stuff. No. No way. There's boxes. I have three coats back there. There are a lot of mugs, like coffee mugs. They'd give themselves away. They'd, yeah, they'd be clanking all over the place. <laughs> this could be, that could be like a subconscious thing where I keep all kinds of shit in my car. Yeah. So that an intruder will be exposed. <laughs> you string up the, the coffee mugs so that they hit together yeah. with any movement. <laughs> I'm telling you, scary stories to tell in the dark. We'll, we'll have to do those, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Anyone who's between the ages of 28 and 35, mm-hmm. they know what they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they read the same books. I don't, I don't know where I was, what rock I was under when those came out, but... Yeah. Somehow they were not on my radar, but yeah. I wasn't into spooky things back then. I, yeah, I've, that's true. I've grown to be into spooky things, but... Not as a child. I was just... I don't know. Yeah. I didn't like to be scared. I didn't, I didn't understand the excitement in it. Yeah. Then. (laughs) Yeah. It's so crazy. Those were like all over the shelves and no one ever made a fuss, but everyone wanted Harry Potter band. Yeah. (laughs) They do magics. No. Skin fling. Fine. Totally fine. Acceptable. (laughs) Oh my God. Someone out there is super scarred by the, the skinning in Hank. That one didn't stick with me as much as the other one though the other one just it's so real yeah oh yeah <laughs> i was so gonna real. say that that could and probably has happened Certainly. so okay 
Right, we're, you're in the synopsis episode. If, if we haven't told you that, and <laughs> I was gonna say we said wildly off track <laughs> tangents. It's Friday. Yeah, but don't worry. This this book is not scary like what no. we were just discussing. This is, this is not a spooky <laughs> book. Uh, it is fantasy and witches, though. True. So, I guess yeah. there are spookish elements, sort of. Ish. Very, nobody, very light. Very light. It's, yeah. You know, nobody skins anyone. Though there's a character that I believe would have skinned someone. Actually, if, a if skinning she had... does happen, kind of. Yeah. Okay, Whoa. guys. Whoops. There's a little bit of Sorry. spook. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the skin, the skinning, it's, it happens a, li- a little, like a light <laughs> skinning. <laughs> Is it more of a slicing? Yes. It is more of a slicing. She's not yeah. pulling the skin off. We're All getting right. wildly ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're covering A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. <laughs> yes. And we're trying something new this week where we do a synopsis episode on its own because so much shit happens in this book. So and much. Then we're going to move in another separate episode to the discussion portion. Yes. So this, we will not get uh, opinions mingled in as we go through the story plot. We will just give you some straight plot. More than the back of the book will give you. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. We, we you won't be getting any opinions, thoughts, or feelings. It'll just be, hey, this happened. And then, hey, this happened. Yes. And then if you have read this book already and you know what happens feel free to move ahead to the discussion portion yeah that's totally fine you clearly won't miss out on anything because you've already read it (laughs) (laughs) and i guess we should go ahead and say we're probably not going to do this for every single book but no but the ones that are have a a lot going on because it's not just like oh this uh, this is a long book it's this is it's a it's a thicker book, but yeah. it also has major plot point things with like implications and yeah. tie-ins to other parts of the book and likely yeah. future books as well. So right. they're they're just there's too much to comment on and tell you what's happening. So. Yes, exactly. And this is probably something that is regular for like a fantasy novel. Yeah. This is this is clearly a fantasy novel, and most of the other fantasy novels that we have on our list, very similar. Yeah. As far as mm, tons of plot. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point of a fantasy. Yeah. I think that's what makes them so easily, easy to continue reading, because yes. there, there's not a lot of drudgery, and it doesn't get yes dull very often. Yes. Mostly. Mostly. This book does have some lulls, but... Yeah, it's not incredibly lully no though but i will say when something happens it's like boom 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 it's like this happened this happened this happened it's like you get you get a lot all at once so it's like it's pretty rapid fire especially toward the end yes yeah Yeah. where if you're used to maybe something like a game of thrones style fantasy that is much more of a long arduous process (laughs) they're so good but they're so they take a lot of energy to read mm. because not only are you doing a different character POV every chapter, which I do like, but because he does it correct, some because mm-hmm. so, usually the characters are in different places. Yeah. 
I don't love it when you get different POVs from characters that are in the same place. Yeah. That's so not necessary. Yeah. Unless it gives you a perspective that the other person yeah. can't give you. Yeah. A necessary perspective. Yeah. But with his characters are usually never together when they're mm-hmm. doing multiple yeah. POVs. Yeah. So they're very good, but they're also not done. <laughs> Winds of winter. <laughs> okay. We're going to now break down the plot for you of... A discovery of witches. <laughs> okay, so first, we have to meet the protagonist, as usual. Her name is Dr. Diana Bishop. <laughs> I like to emphasize yes. our academics. She likely worked hard for that doctorate, so... Absolutely. She's not a slouch, because she's a professor at Yale, and doing research for her next publication at Oxford. So, <laughs> she's... She is a scholar. Hella scholar. So from the beginning, we know she's a witch. You're you're pretty much just told mm-hmm. straight up she's a witch. But she doesn't use her magic for the most part. She has some like inadvertent magical things. She dabbles. But for the most part, she just suppresses her magic, doesn't use it. Mm-hmm is kind of resentful towards it. Mm-hmm. Pretty much because her parents were killed when she was a young child. <laughs> they were both witches. Her mother and father were both witches. Her mother was Rebecca Bishop. And I didn't... I don't remember her dad's name off the top of my head now. I didn't put it in here. I want to say... Stephen, and I don't Proctor. know why. He's a Proctor. Yes. Is it Stephen Proctor? It might be Stephen Proctor. If it is... Pat on my shoulder. <laughs> so, because if I, it's not, <laughs> slap on my hand. <laughs> no, I'm fully believing it's Stephen Proctor. But Bishop and Proctor are like two huge names in the Salem Witch Trials. Oh. Yeah. And that's why in this book series, they are two very powerful witch lines. Yes. So her parents were killed when she was a young child. They were on like a research trip to Africa and she's told they were killed by humans who were like searching for their magic. Anyway, they were killed and she was raised by her mother's sister, Sarah Bishop and Sarah's partner, Emily. Which Emily was, I think, best friends with mom. Emily was best friends with Rebecca Bishop and met Sarah after Rebecca died and they got really close and started their relationship. Yeah. Yep. So they're very, very cute couple. Like their interactions. Yes. I really enjoy. And they're opposite personality. Yes. They're like the yin and yang. Yeah. It's very, very precious. Look at us. We're already discussing and we said we weren't (gasps) going to. Exactly what we said we were not going to (laughs) do. We didn't lie to you on purpose. We're straight up liars. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's Diana's sort of setup, if you will. Yeah. This is all page one stuff. Yes. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of it might be sprinkled throughout, but pretty much you learn all this fairly. Yeah. yeah. Fairly upfront. Exactly. So then we plop down. That was a weird way to put that, but that's, <laughs> that's what I used. <laughs> we plop down into... <laughs> The Bodleian, which is a library at Oxford, and Diana is doing research 
for her alchemy. She she pulls these alchemy books. She takes notes. Like that's that's mm-hmm. like her main focus. And she pulls one that is labeled Ashmole 782. It has magical properties, but she again is kind of resistant to magic, so she's trying to ignore that and just treat it like regular book. She notes that there's some missing pages and then also notices that the manuscript is a palimpsest, which means that the original text was wiped away and new text had been written over the old, but you could still kind of see the old writing through it in the right lighting. It kind of almost looked like it was wiggling. So this is to us a pretty big indicator that this is one, obviously a magical book, but two, this is not the last time we're going to. This Hear is, or think about this book. <laughs> yeah. This, the amount of time lingering on it, you know it's important. Yes. Yeah. This, this just as a slight side, the, this book is clearly very well researched when it comes to the topics that mm-hmm. it tries to cover. Like, it, it feels very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. So, so Diana's taking her notes of the illustrations. Even the illustrations in the alchemy book are not as they normally are or should be for an alchemy book. So, you know, there's errors, whether they're intentional or not, we're not sure. But one in particular is supposed to represent the creation of the Philosopher's Stone and is a pretty big, like, point of interest. But then Diana feels like she's learned all she could from this book and sends it back. I will note, she did have to use some magic to open it. Yes. It was sort of resistant, but I, it, it was more of a nudge than mm-hmm. a force or a push. Yeah. And then when she put it back, there was a release of energy that clearly like reset whatever she had undone. Mm-hmm. And then she really just was going to leave it there. Yeah. Nothing about it again. Exactly. <laughs> However, after putting it back, her calling Ashmole 782 actually stirred other creatures who have unbeknownst to her because she didn't know anything about Ashmole 782 until this day made them stir because they had been searching for it too for hundreds of years so and it's actually been lost so the fact that she even called this book was a big deal and so it draws out a lot of creatures to oh actually I said hundreds it was really only 150 years it's been lost But um, so other creatures are flocking to the Bodleian now, flocking to her to figure out how she called it and how they can call it. Mm -hmm. Um, And among these creatures is Mr. Matthew Claremont. Is he a doctor? Yes. Dr. Matthew Claremont. (laughs) (laughs) And he is a vampire. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I think he's an actual physician. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. He's, but he's lived so long that yeah, he, he has... Yeah, he probably has more accolades than you could even count at this point. Right. Because I there's a part in the book that talks about when he was actually born, and it was, like, the 10th century. Mm-hmm. How, what? Doing carpentry. Carpentry. <laughs> Doing carpentry. Building yeah. churches. You know. Yeah. What? is it like to live that long first of all who wants to live that long i'm not even sure that he did (laughs) no i feel like he did not but that is 
Because, like, when you think about other vampires and other books, or, like, other long-lived creatures, like, Mm -hmm. fae Mm -hmm. in any fantasy, usually the fae you meet are, like, 500 years old, right? Yeah. Not 1,000 years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's so old. That's way too old. A thousand. I would think, like, his memory seems great. I would think he'd start to forget things after a thousand years. Yeah. That's a a total digression. So sorry. (laughs) Um, And another one of the creatures who turns up at the Bodleian is another witch named Peter Knox. He sees Diana and without any preamble tries to mind to mind talk to her and she is real freaked out yeah which this is an invasion witches are not supposed to mind speak without the consent of the other person right especially someone who does not readily their magic all the time and tries to stay out of the magical goings on yeah so to her that this is a true violation it's it's such a violation and she doesn't know this person at all Mm -mm. this is a stranger even Mm -hmm. (laughs) and when when diana tells her aunt sarah and em they are displeased and they tell her they tell diana that her father knew peter knox and did not like him that's a bad sign Red flags. <laughs> With Peter invading her mind, Matthew, who we previously mentioned, popped up. He feels that it's his job to protect Diana, whether it's selfish reasons of wanting to get to Ashmole 782 first or other motives we, we don't really know. But yep. he starts hanging around, kind of trying to keep other creatures off her back. And this leads to them spending some more time together, getting to know each other. It's obviously a little contentious at first because she doesn't really know who he is and why he keeps hanging around. But eventually they have some interactions and start to get to know each other. They do yoga. He watches over her as she works in the library. He even actually employs some of his fellow vampires to help watch over her. I think they go eat breakfast together. Like, Mm -hmm. they're getting to know each other and becoming closer as friends at this point. Yes. Yes. And she attempts to make him dinner one of the nights. And she looks... uh, She calls the... I don't know. What would be the equivalent of... Oh, she calls, like, zoologists or something. Yeah, zoologists. Yeah. And asks about the diets of northern wolves. As an idea of what to get to make for Matthew for dinner because he's a vampire. I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Wolves, vampires. But in Dracula, mm-hmm. he does shapeshift into a wolf. So there is precedence for precedent. the wolf and and bat to have yes. overlapping traits, I guess. <laughs> yes. So, you know, there's formulating a kinship yes. of sorts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So as things become closer for them, it actually, I think, stirs something in Matthew and he actually kind of runs away for a bit to uh, collect himself and to go hunting because, as is always in vampire things, 
his attraction to Diana is mixed with predator and prey and, and that kind of desire. So he has to go hunting and that's when uh, he goes to Scotland and we meet his friend Hamish, who is a demon. So now we've, we've really met our third type of creature. Yes. <laughs> not, still not totally sure what, what demons really are. Yeah. But when we get into the discussion episode, we'll talk about the things that we do know, but it's really not a whole lot. It's not a lot. So at this point, more and more creatures, are, they're flocking to the Bodleian because of Diana and Ashmole 782. So this is a hot item. Mm-hmm. People hot. be wanting it. They think it has answers. answers. They don't know what. Yeah. It, at this point, you don't know why they want it. Diana has no idea why people want this manuscript because it's, you know, it talks about the Philosopher's Stone and, like, the creation of the Philosopher's Stone. And I don't know that... It doesn't really talk much about the Philosopher's Stone specifically, but from what I, you know, what everybody pretty much knows is, like, what it gives you everlasting life Mm -hmm. and also fabulous wealth yeah you can make things into gold yeah and you can live forever yep but vampires they already live forever right and they have a lot of money because they've had a lot of years (laughs) to make money so they don't need it for the long life or the wealth but they feel like there are answers in there but there's gotta be something else in there yeah yeah not just alchemical sciences but yeah there's there's hidden shit in there yeah yeah so after he comes back from his hunting trip, Matthew, as we said, is a doctor and a scientist. He has an associate who works with him, who happens to be his vampire son. His name is Marcus. And they actually draw some blood from Diana so that they can analyze it for research purposes. Because they're currently, I mean, not publicly known because humans are not meant to know that vampires, witches, and demons exist. But they are working on a project uh, attempting to find out if humans, witches, and demons share any common ancestry or traits that would make them identifiable. Right. Right. Yeah. So she goes, she has her DNA. We don't know the results of her DNA yet. No. So this all happens, and in the... Meantime, another witch named Jillian, which you meet her in the beginning too, but it's kind of like a toss off. It doesn't really mean anything. But this witch named Jillian threatens Diana and tells her that her parents were not actually murdered by humans, but by other witches. Which is a serious hell no, no. Yeah. First of all, (laughs) bitch, why are you telling me about my parents being killed in the library of all places? Right. That's hella rude. Rude doesn't even cover it. And random. She, like, just randomly comes up to her while she's doing her work in the library and just, like, whispers it in her ear. Ashmole 782 brings out the... Yeah. The beast in all of them. Yes. Pretenses of being kind and, you know... Yeah. All decorum is yeah. out the window. Out the, <laughs> out the window. <laughs> And then later, Diana actually receives a photo of her parents, of their murdered bodies, along with a note that's threatening her as well. So, yeah, the threats are just 
flying all over the place. Yeah, she she in danger. So at this point, Matthew has slid into full protector mode. <laughs> and he decides unilaterally that he is taking Diana out of Oxford and to his family home in France. At least she tries to resist. It's not just swoon. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She does try to resist because of her work, but is persuaded by Matthew's promise of access to an incredibly old manuscript. Girl loves her books. I mean, props. I I get it. (laughs) She's dedicated to that alchemical work. Yeah. So uh, Diana and Matthew, they go to France and Diana meets Matthew's mother, his vampire mother. Yes. And her name's Isabeau. And then Isabeau also has a, what would we call Like a, a, a housemaid? I think she's, yeah, like a housekeeper, housemaid. Yeah. And her name is Mart. They just, they all kind of interact, get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Mart's obviously just kind of, like, sweet right off the bat. And then Isabeau is a little more... uh, Cold. Cold. I mean, partially because vampires and witches are not meant to mix. Right. There's prejudice on both sides. Yes. Really, it's... None of the three creatures are supposed to mingle. I I don't even think they're really supposed to mingle with humans, though they don't really say. But definitely no vampire, witch, demon... Yeah. Intermingling. Yes. Yeah. Not allowed. I think demons get a bit of a pass, more so with vampires. Yeah. Because Matthew does have Hamish yeah. as his friend. He's a demon. I think friends maybe are okay, but yeah. when it starts to become romantic, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's a, when there's a problem. And that's what that's causes Isabeau to be she's, a bit cold and, yeah. and, and concerned. She, yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Matthew is her son. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> And, you know, dangerous, dangerous by their, their laws, the creature laws. Mm -hmm. It's also not allowed. The congregation is like the overarching council, I guess, Mm -hmm. of creatures. Yes. And they do not like it. No. Which, of course, Diana didn't really know. Having kept herself separate from. Yeah. From that world of things. She didn't really know. But Matthew knew. Yes. But he, I think he was trying to resist his feelings. So it's like, you know, why does she need to know? Ain't nothing happening here. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> how yeah. naive of him. Yeah. Yes. And when they arrive, so they're at, they're in France. They're on, I think the name of the estate in France is what? Septour? Septour, yeah. Oh, I love French. I took French in college. It's, it's so lovely. I wish that I would have kept taking it. I am not fluent in French. <laughs> I've heard French is difficult simply because half of the letters in the word don't even get pronounced. Yes. It's not very phonetic. <laughs> it's not. No, it is not phonetic. But you can feel your way mm-hmm. through words much easier mm-hmm. than you you can't feel your way through words in English. <laughs> but no. Um, Part of it's much easier when you're learning a second language, it's much easier and quicker to learn to read that language mm-hmm. than it is to speak it. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So diff- the accent is so off because English is not a romance language. So, no. and like French is 
Well, it's obviously the Romance language. <laughs> and it's also derived almost di- in a direct line from Latin. Mm-hmm. Whereas English is like a little bit of Latin, a little bit of Old English, which is a Slavic language, mm-hmm. a little bit of German, which is also Slavic. And then you have the Norse influence. We just borrowed and then threw it in a hodgepodge. Yeah. And there we have some words that are French words directly. Mm -hmm. We just put them in there. It's fine. There was no need to change. It was perfect as it was. As is. That's the, that should be like the slogan for English. As is. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's so difficult to, for non-English speakers to learn. I am fluent in English and still don't understand how it works half the time. I think that's the, that's everyone. Yeah. All of us who speak (laughs) English. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know that rule. Right. Uh, It, uh, it, it applies sometimes. I just don't know when. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they're at set tour and we meet a new vampire named Domenico. He comes to the estate uninvited, which is very disrespectful, and threatens them on behalf of the congregation. And this is when we learn of the congregation. <laughs> yeah, this is when we're introduced to the idea that there is even a governing body. <laughs> three vampires, three witches, three demons, I believe. Yes. Is it more than No, it's just... I think that's it. Yeah. 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 So... And- They've made deals in the past where, you know, they've decided that, you know, the no, the no mingling between, yes. you know, different species or creatures. And I can't really think of their other main thing other than like, you know, staying separate from human beings, not yeah. letting them know that they exist, not meddling in human affairs, yeah. things like that. Yeah. And, and the more creatures congregate together mm-hmm. apparently the more it draws human attention yes no matter what it is it's just like it's just a sense that humans yeah. are are drawn to and when, when they're together and the congregation tries to avoid that it's probably a self-preservational thing yes so you know domenico comes to basically say hey we're noticing that your eyes are hanging out yeah. and uh the congregation doesn't like it yeah we not happy which you would think, like, are they really monitoring just, like, random folks out here? But... Apparently, yes. Yeah. Especially with the uh, uh, Ashmole 782 being involved, I think that yes. really threw a spotlight on them. Yes. But, so after that happens, puts everyone on alert. Um, and then Matthew gets a call that his lab back home has been broken into. So he has to leave and take care of that because he doesn't know what's been taken if anything at all. Right. So he leaves, of course, after this threat, he's like, yeah, we're definitely not going to be romantic. Yeah. For sure. Diana, not, not happening. This is not worth the risk. Nah. But I believe at this point she's decided she's in love with him. Yeah. She's fully decided. Yeah. Yeah. And whether he has, we're not sure. He's, he's, he's trying to play like he's cool, but yeah, he's trying to be the cool guy. Yeah. And he's trying to do, you know, do the right thing and, and stop it before it starts. But so he has to leave to take care of this lab thing. And Diana releases witch water 
which basically just gushing water from every yeah area of her body that could possibly do so. <laughs> it's like tsunami level because she's and she releases it because she's sad that he left. Yeah, she's upset. Which we have seen Diana do a large bit of power earlier on. She released some sparks when she was mad and scared after the whole Jillian and the photo thing. Yes. So this is just another evolution of her power starting to literally spill out of her when mm-hmm. her emotions are high. Yes. But then Isabeau sings to her and kind of calms her. And I think this kind of starts a little bit of a bond for them. Mm -hmm. And then Isabeau actually takes Diana hunting while Matthew is gone. Matthew does not know she's doing this. Yeah. But she's doing it as a, you know, this is what vampires have to do. And you say you're in love with my son. So I want you to see this Mm -hmm. and then tell me if, if you would be accepting of this. So they... They're growing closer, but she's still got a wall up. She's like, yeah, "Yeah, do you really think that you want to be part of this life? Like, she's trying to, like, really drive it home. This is not just any old relationship you would be entering into. And then also another thing that kind of big thing that happens is Diana. She's just, like, looking for paper to, I don't know, write a letter, write something down. I can't quite remember. But she finds a seal uh, for the Knights of Lazarus in uh, Matthew's office. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, she doesn't know what it is at that time. But definitely comes into play later. Yes, it does. So, Matthew sorts out his lab situation and comes back. And, wait... We should back up. There's a, a little piece. Did that, I skip something? No, okay. I just had a thought. Yeah, absolutely. So while Matthew was gone, Diana called him on the phone and said that sh- she's like, hey, I love you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they have that conversation and he doesn't say it back then. But then he comes back to France and he, as he is arriving and she meets him, he tells her that he loves her. And Isabeau is also present. (laughs) And so at this point, he has said that he loves her in front of his mother. And she has said it back. So in vampire culture, they're married. (laughs) So that's where we are. Yes. Now they're married. And uh, Isabeau, at first... Seems like she's upset at what's going on, but she kind of just resigns to the fact, accepts it, and yeah. is like, "You're my daughter now." That's how this. That's how it works. That's that, that's it. This this is the way she goes. <laughs> so that's that's it. That's it. And then then they're all just kind of bonded from that moment, and things are kind of going. Nicely, you know, there's that lingering possible stress of like Domenico and the congregation in the back of their minds. But for the most part, they're just kind of hiding out from the Ashmole 782 issues. And, you know, they're just all just having a good time together. And um, Matthew kind of thinks that the only threat is other vampires at this point. He doesn't think that. He thinks that any of those vampires he can handle. Yeah. he Well, and because he she's with vampires, he's yeah. like, no one's... Exactly. No witch, no no one's going to be stupid enough to attack you here. Yeah. We're safe. So he feels safe at Satur. But not 
so safe after all. Uh, after, I think, just one night in the middle of the night, Diana decides to take a walk in the garden. And she sure. gets snatched off her feet into the sky. She's immediately snatched. Just barely steps. <laughs> feels like she barely steps her foot outside. Gets taken into the sky by a witch named Satu, who actually was helped by two vampires, Domenico and then Gerbert. So she kidnaps Diana and takes her to, is it just like an abandoned castle? Yeah. And so she tortures, she tortures Diana. That's where we were talking about the the filet yeah. <laughs> happening. She like cuts and carves into Diana. I don't know if it's just for physical pain. It also seems like she's trying to like open up her magic and like kind of get into her head at the same time. Yeah. And she actually starts carving the um, Knights of Lazarus symbol into Diana's skin, which is another indication that it's more than just some seal. Yeah. Um, but she, she carves that into Diana's back and then puts her down into an oubliette, which is just kind of like a, Basically, like, a deep, empty well, a deep cavern into the castle. As to further torture her, um, I say that with a question because I don't know that the oubliette itself has, if it has magical properties or if it's just simply being down in a deep, dark hole that's supposed to kind of, like, add to her torture. But Satu starts telling Diana things that, like, Matthew snuck into her home when they were getting to know each other or, like, very at the very beginning that he snuck into her home not only to look for Ashmole 782 but to to watch her and that he fed her some of her his blood while she was sleeping mm. without her knowledge so, and then she also informs Diana that Matthew killed Jillian when he was uh, back home dealing with some things. <laughs> yeah, during the lab break-in. I don't know if it was, was it during the lab break-in? I or think was that it... is when he killed her. Okay, and that's what I thought too, but I couldn't remember if there was an earlier moment. But I think that's when. Yeah. So yeah, Satu reveals all these kind of horrifying things or seemingly horrible things that Matthew has done unbeknownst to Diana's knowledge, trying to kind of put a wedge and doubt Mm -hmm. into Diana's mind and then kind of leaves Diana to to herself. And Diana actually starts seeing visions of her mother telling her a story, like it's actual vision of something that happened to Diana when she was little. Her mother was telling her the story about a little girl being spellbound and she's describing it with like ribbons and all this stuff. But basically we learn that Diana was spellbound as a child, but it's, you know, her mom is now telling her this full story so that she can be free. So while she's remembering this story, it's also actually happening in Diana's body. This, this spellbinding is, is coming unraveled and coming loose. So her powers are unleashing I guess, more than they had already started to. And she also in the story foretells about a, is it the shadowed man, mm-hmm. you know, being meant for her and meant to protect her. And it's very clearly that she foreshadowed Diana and Matthew being together and being meant for each other and destined to be with each other. Mm-hmm. So aside from that, then Matthew is obviously scrambling because the one, the woman he loves has been kidnapped. Yeah. I don't even think it's been that long. He actually gets his vampire 
brother Baldwin comes in town. Baldwin's a bit of a dick. <laughs> but he knows how to get business done. Because sure. I think Baldwin's the one that figures out where she is. Where she is. Yeah. So Matthew and Baldwin, they find Diana down in that oubliette, but they can't reach her. So actually Diana, as like her magic is kind of becoming freed learns to or realizes she can fly and she has to fly herself out of the oubliette and then Matthew and Baldwin take her home. Yeah. I don't believe there, there was no altercations with Mm-mm. Satu, I, Domenico, Gerbert. They're all, I think she was just there by herself. I don't think anyone yeah. was there. Yeah. So they just left her down in the hole by herself. <laughs> I, I guess they just figured since she didn't use her magic, she would just die down there. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'd come back later when she was weaker to yeah. extract more information. Yeah. But it didn't work out. She got saved. <laughs> she is saved. And at this point, Matthew and Diana decide to go to Diana's family home here in America. I'm not really sure. I guess, are they coming to America so that she can learn how to use her magic with Sarah and M? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, I just think it's so traumatic and it's like yeah, and- she needs... A witch's help as yeah. as well, just to heal from the wounds. I yeah, think yeah. too. Yeah. So either so they come back to America and they're staying in Aunt Sarah and M's house, and this is like the Bishop family house, their ancestral home, mm-hmm. and it has the ghosts of the ancestors in there, and the house is alive, kind of in like Encanto. <laughs> yeah. So it like. It'll hide things for them and create rooms, create rooms in anticipation of more people coming or like rumble the Mm -hmm. the slats of the floors and whenever it's displeased. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the house is a living, breathing thing. So they're in America now. (laughs) So when they arrive at the family home, Diana receives a letter that her parents had hidden in the house for her, which is very sweet. So in this letter, Diane is able to confirm that her powers were bound by her parents and were actually tied to her feelings for Matthew and can only be used by need and not by want. Diana was also born a call bearer. So she was born still inside the amniotic sac And this is supposed to be a sign of good luck or that she will be a great seer, which her mother was actually a really great seer. So her parents also had one of the missing pages from Ashmole 782. And Diana's father was a time walker. Ergo, Diana is a time walker. And it is believed that Diana's father actually time walked back in time put the spell on ashmole 782 to keep it safe until diana needed it this was one of those moments where you got a whole lot of important information yeah at one time it felt like a deluge (laughs) (laughs) just a barrage of like wait what and then what and then what yeah it was a lot (laughs) it was a lot and still more comes because... It just keeps coming. Because <laughs> then uh, Marcus and Miriam, who I don't know if we mentioned Miriam before, but she I was... So. She's one of Marcus and Matthew's 
Like lab baits. Yeah. She's a vampire and a yeah. scientist. In yeah. Lab. So she she's one of their associates, yes. fellow vampire. She kind of helped watch over Diana in times when Matthew couldn't be there. So Marcus and Miriam come to America and they share the blood results from the blood that they took from Diana in the lab. I don't believe anything was stolen, so this information right. has not been Correct. has not been known to anybody else. Correct. Get ready, because it's a lot. So they they tell Diana that they believe the pages in Ashmole 782 suggest that she will mother Matthew's child through a concept of, it's called conceptio, which is a thing in alchemical, mm-hmm. uh, alchemical writing, but they believe that it applies specifically to Diana and Matthew. Typically, vampires cannot bear children, let alone produce children with, even a witch, a human, a demon, you know. Right. They cannot create life. Right. So that alone was a big smack surprise to yeah. both Diana and Matthew. Then they tell her all the abilities that her blood shows that she has. So I guess it's almost like DNA strains. Like they can tell that she has all the elemental abilities She's going to be a seer, a time where, I mean, the, the list is very long, but she can do many, many numerous things. Let me see if I can, if I can find them all because golly gee, it's a lot. Yeah. So, uh, precognition, flight, finding things, transmogrification. She can talk with the dead. She has telekinesis. She can cast spells and charms and curses and telepathy and empathy and mind reading. I think there's even, you know, and then like I said, all the elemental stuff. She can do herbal magic. (laughs) Just, just, and I don't even think that that's all of it. I just, it's just numerous. Like witches have so many different abilities they can have. Generally, they have one one or two. Yeah. M has some precognition. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah is, like, very good at charms. Mm-hmm. And I think they might each have, like, another skill. But for one witch to have this many attributes is unheard yeah. of. Yeah. Which puts, you know, obviously is going to put an even bigger target on her back. But... <laughs> yeah. So... And then they also confirm... That she was a twin in the womb, but she absorbed her twin, who somehow they know was a male because of markers in the DNA. And that actually makes Diana a chimera, which has something to do with like male and female. And that's kind of like what led them to believe that her twin was male. But her being a chimera is what could allow her to bear mixed creature children. So they think this is, you know, not just the love relationship, but they think this specific detail is a main reason why the congregation is after them and trying to separate this relationship. And then... The reason is because it's suggested that creatures are dying out. You know, vampires are unable to create more vampires with ease. It's more difficult and more often there's a lot more death in the process. More witches aren't being born or if they are, their their powers are much weaker. And then with the demons, we don't really know. Maybe it's just that they're born less often. Again, they're mm-hmm. kind of a wild card. There's not yeah. as much known about demons why they come to be, how yeah. they become one. So it's kind of hard to kind of add them into that mix. Yeah. So yeah, everyone 
comes to the same conclusion that, you know, this this issue is issue with the congregations bigger than Diana and Matthew's love, but rather what leaps and bounds in magic and creature evolution could result from their union and the effects of that on the world of creatures as a whole, and, you know, and any group in power is certainly not going to want anything more powerful mm-hmm. than them being created. So. Right, exactly. They want to knock that off real quick. They really do. Okay, so at this point, we've got way, way too much information, so... <laughs> Um, Matthew and Diana are, like, outside in the yard, maybe decompressing a little. (laughs) And another vampire is on scene. Now, this vampire's name is Juliet, and she is an associate of Gerbert. And a Looney Tune. And insane. (laughs) Um, so Juliet gives Matthew a killing blow to the chest. But Diana summons Witchfire, kills Juliet, and then Diana saves Matthew by giving him her blood and making a deal with the goddess Diana, who is the goddess of the hunt. And the witch see two women, one young and one old in the circle, and she offers her anything. And Diana almost dies from giving Matthew her blood. Yeah. So, this uh, promise is going to come back. It has to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it will. It will, for sure. I mean, you can't just offer anything and then it not at least be mentioned again. (laughs) Right. I know. And it it was kind of odd. It was like, it was the goddess Diana, but the goddess Diana was represented in two persons. Two people. There was, yeah, there was the huntress and the witch or the maiden, the maiden and the crone. crone. Like it, they, I feel like they used interchanging different terms, but yeah. So it was, it was kind of interesting that, yeah, the goddess Diana was represented in these, in these two persons in this moment. Yeah. So, uh, Diana promised anything. What do we think that's going to be? Her firstborn child. <laughs> yeah. It's always it the first usually one. Is. Yeah. Ooh, that was the firstborn child. You better make sure mom didn't make any deals. I'm going to have to call her. <laughs> so after Diana recovers, then, you know, things get really real. So they decide that by they, I mean Diana and Matthew, they decide that they're going to time walk to the past so that they can find more answers about Ashmole 782 and maybe even about their involvement their representation in it and find Mm -hmm. out like what's what's meant for them yes and at this point we meet two new characters nathaniel and sophie (laughs) just popping up people are just popping up into the house yeah they're just coming the house is prepared for nathaniel and sophie it anticipated their arrival which is weird but they are both demons and they arrive at the bishop home nathaniel is agatha's son so Agatha was a demon kind of in the beginning. She was one that was drawn to Diana after her discovering Ashmole 782 mm-hmm. before Diana really knew anything about it. Yeah. And she was just like, hey, this book isn't just for the witches. This book could it's mean for something everyone. for the demons, too. So she right. was kind of I don't know, pleading on the behalf of like other creatures, like, please yeah. don't keep this for yourself. Even though Diana had really no clue what she was talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Agatha is actually on... She's a member of the congregation, congregation, which makes it a big deal that a member of the congregation's son is just, hello. Yeah. Yes. 
And then Sophie is pregnant. So they're, like, married. And Sophie is pregnant. They're both demons, but her baby is a witch. Because Sophie's, yeah. Family family is witches. And Sophie had had dreams of Diana and other premonitions. So she also has seer Mm -hmm. abilities. And Sophie gives Diana a silver figurine of the goddess Diana passed down in Sophie's family. This is a chess piece. The queen that belonged to Matthew way long ago, given to him by his father, Philip. And he lost in a wager many years in the past to a guy named Kit. Oh, Kit. So all the, all the threads. Yeah. Weaving together. together. And still leaving lots of unanswered questions. Yeah. (laughs) And then... After this chess piece is given, then the ghost of Bridget Bishop, who is, I suppose, living in the Bishop household. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if the ghosts are there all the time or they kind of pop in and out, but Bridget Bishop is here and she gives Diana a poppet for her time walk journey. So Diana's going to need different objects to help her travel through time to reach the time she wants to be wants in. to be in. So we've got the chess piece. Now Bridget gives her this this poppet and it said that it was drawn to Diana and it has a protection spell. But once she gives it to Diana, it falls apart and there's an earring at the center. And surprisingly to Matthew, the earring actually belonged to Isabo in the past. So there's all these these pieces of Matthew's past specifically that are popping up in unlikely hands and we don't know how they got there, but mm-hmm. we know that they are meant to help Diana and Matthew travel in their time walk. Yeah. Interestingly, Bridget Bishop is was the first woman executed in the Salem Witch Trials. Mm. So And I think they even mentioned that. In the book. I don't know if they specifically say in the Salem Witch Trials, but they say, yeah. Yep. She was the first one executed. So now at the Bishop home, we've got four witches, three vampires, and two demons. And they need one more demon to be a conventicle. Mm -hmm. A gathering of dissenters in the olden days. And I think they really only need three of each, kind mm-hmm. of like matching the congregation. But yeah. they have four simply because of the, the baby and yeah, baby in the womb. Yeah. So there are only, really, only three witches, three vampires, and two demons, not counting the unborn child. Because I feel like you can't really count the unborn yeah. child. They kind of did, but yeah, they it's did, it's like I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't hold up in court properly. Yeah. <laughs> not sentient in there yeah it's yeah it's in its own world right it's it's developing it can't it can't add to the conventicle matters at hand yeah it cannot cast its vote no (laughs) (laughs) so this issue is confirmed to be bigger than the bishops or the declare mall then diana and matthew then their love it's about sophie and nathaniel and their unborn child and the future of creature kind so Sophie and Nathaniel are in a unique position because they're demons and their baby is a witch, mm-hmm. which is not something they could have helped though. It's not, no, you know, no. there's nothing they can do about it, but they're, they're both demons. Yes. But, but it still makes them a target. Yeah. For the, the congregation. Yeah. The congregation, the congregation mm-hmm. as well. Yes, indeed. 
Yeah. Um, so then they start just kind of talking about, I don't know, what they're going to do in the near future. They're planning for a coming Halloween celebrations. They want everything to be normal, even though they are making plans to do some things. So everyone is going to be leaving the Bishop home at some point, but they're, they're still just getting prepared. So Diana is practicing her time walking. Sarah's trying to kind of help her with magic though Sarah is kind of limited in what she can teach her. So, but they're just, they're just working on, on the things that they can to prepare for this mission, if you will. They don't really give specifics on the time walking rules. Like if, if, if you go to a time that you're in, if you get displaced, but I'm sure as the books go on, they'll maybe Mm -hmm. give more, give more detail. But at this point we're just prepping and practicing. So, yeah. Because you probably don't want your first time walk to be the one. Uh, no. You might want to try going back like five minutes, then maybe like an hour. Yeah. (laughs) And then maybe a hundred (laughs) years. Who knows? So at this point, Hamish, which is Matthew's demon friend, he arrives at the Bishop home. So he's like a lawyer. I think so. Yeah. And he has been called, he's a member of the Knights of Lazarus. He's been called to serve. He's the ninth knight, which they have, they go through these rules. They're, it's, I just, you know. Yeah. The Knights of <laughs> Lazarus has all these rules and members and this member is, does this and, and, yeah, you but, know, you, but, and because the congregation is coming after them, I, we forgot to mention, I guess, but Matthew, who is the leader of the Knights of Lazarus, surprise, Surprise. Uh, (laughs) calls upon the Knights of Lazarus to defend Diana because the Knights of Lazarus's purpose is to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Right. So he calls upon this group to help protect Diana and then also their mission. Yeah. They're in. Exactly. So Hamish has been called. He's the ninth knight. There's something about the ninth knight, like not being something, not... Something or another. They don't have to. They don't have to do something. Take action, but, you know. They're there. They're not involved all the time, but are only, like, called upon in great need, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, like, the on-call night, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he's called, and the group is now a conventicle because they've got three demons. Mm -hmm. So there we are. (laughs) We have the conventicle. Which doesn't, you know, emotionally it means that they've got a a proper group now that could rival the congregation. But at this point, we're we're not taking action yet. No, no, no. (laughs) So um, they're getting things even more organized before Diana and Matthew depart um, with Hamish being a lawyer. He kind of helps get uh, Diana and Matthew's affairs in order before they leave for the past for, you know, Lord knows how long. Mm -hmm. So Diana actually signs away her power of attorney and just basically her life making statements that she's going to be away from school and work and making arrangements for her possessions and her apartment and you know some of them are more immediate you know with a pause of like depending on how long you're gone then we'll we'll continue yeah to make other arrangements matthew signs 
a will giving Diana his property, whether they stay together or not, which I don't even know why that's a question because they mar- they're emotionally married. So they're vampirically married. <laughs> but he he states that very like whether we're together or not, I want you to have my property. And then uh, Sarah signs away the well, not signs it away in her will leaves the bishop estate to Diana as long as, you know, her partner M is allowed to stay as long as she wishes. And then Diana kind of adds a caveat that she doesn't want the property just to belong to her, but she wants it to belong to her and Matthew's children, whether that's natural children or the vampiric children. So like Marcus, she Mm -hmm. wants him to feel like this home could be his as well. If it, kind of came to that. Yeah. Matthew steps down as the grandmaster of the Knights of Lazarus and gives that that post to Marcus, who reluctantly takes it, but yeah, he takes really it nonetheless, know. you know. He knows that it's his duty kind yeah. of. Yeah. And then with there being an opening in the Knights of Lazarus, then Nathaniel actually becomes a member, which I think is unusual. In itself, like it was unusual that Matthew chose a demon in Hamish to be on the Knights of Lazarus. And now he's added a second, a second demon. Nathaniel does not. He's not really a confrontational fight person. He didn't even want to come there with mm-hmm. Sophie at first. But Sophie insisted because she knew it was where they need to be. Yeah. But now this is Nathaniel kind of stepping up because yeah. he knows that they you know, he needs to do what he can to protect mm-hmm. his family. So yeah. he becomes a knight of Lazarus. And then everyone in the room is, they basically kind of agree that, yeah, they're a conventicle and they are going to help protect those who are affected by this possible coming war between the congregation and creature kind. Yeah. Those basically who are set in their ways and want things to stay separate and the same. And those who want change and uh, want to evolve. Yes. Okie dokie. So now, Diana and Matthew time walk to the night that they danced together in France at Septour. I don't know. It's not clear whether their past selves are displaced when they time walk. If they changed any events that happened on the original night. It doesn't seem to say that Mm -hmm. it really affected their present. Mm -hmm. So, that's unclear. It's one of those, uh, <laughs> to quote Doctor Who, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey things that they're just like, just accept that this yeah. happened. I think, <laughs> you, you know, you kind of have to do that mm-hmm. in a novel that contains magic because you can't apply logic to magic. I shall not suspend my disbelief. You, you cannot make it. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to a smug book club do Harry Potter. Uh-huh. They do two Harry Potter episodes. I wish they would make more episodes. I love listening to them so much. Mm-hmm. They're so funny. Yes, they are. Um, but they, in their Chamber of Secrets episode, they're talking about like certain parts of Matt. Like they're talking about the Fort Anglia and uh-huh. how it stays, how it goes up and down. Uh huh. He's like, how does it go up and down? And Callum was saying that, and Ryan's like, magic. And he's like, no, no. He's like, aerodynamically, I need to know. Yeah. Like... He's like, but does the steering wheel, like, come back like an airplane? And Ryan's just like, 
it's magic. <laughs> he's like, but you can't just say, answer every question with it's magic. And he's like, but it's magic. <laughs> Which is kind of a little bit true in stories that have magic. You just, yes. you kind of just have to accept that it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Yeah. Or even time travel. Some some stories will have very specific rules. They follow mm-hmm. said rules and things don't make your brain explode. And then yeah. other ones give you rules, kind of contradict said rules, and the story's still fun, but your brain feels a little like... Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like the Harry Potter rules and Prisoner of Azkaban were pretty strict. Yes. Like, you're not displacing your your past self. Your past self is mm-hmm. back there doing what's already happened. So right. It's it's do, a closed loop. Basically. It's a closed loop. It's like Bill and Ted. It's like yes. it happened and it's going to happen. It's it's happening because it's already happened. Exactly. It's just it's a closed loop of Yes. You already done did it. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Which I I I like the closed loop idea of time travel mm-hmm. because it's so much easier to conceptualize Mm -hmm. it makes sense logically yeah because you were there Mm -hmm. and now you're here Mm -hmm. so even if you were to time travel back you're still gonna be there Mm -hmm. so you're gonna be there and you're gonna see yourself yeah that makes more sense and all the events happened that you cannot change them they happened as they happened because you lived through it and you already time walked It, it yes it's all already it's going to happen. It did happen. It's happening. Yes. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds confusing. It but does. it makes the most sense. Yes, yes. Rather it happened than, because it happened. Yeah. Rather than, like, displacing your past self. Yes. And then... That or you have... You're able to change what happened. Right. Because the thing in Harry Potter is, like, you think Buckbeak gets killed, but he didn't really. Yeah, because you... It just appeared that way yeah. from... The perspective. But he didn't the first time. And he did. And he didn't the second time. Yeah. The second time is just the explanation of why he didn't get killed the first time. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. That's all about perspective for sure. Yeah. And like the Dementors, right? Right. Whereas, you know, back to the future rules, like you can change the past, which then changes the future. Exactly. Gets messy. The rules make sense. Yeah. But your life... Past, present, future get real messy. Enter at your own risk. (laughs) You know, if you, you know, slept in that one day, you don't know. Why do you think they got rid of all the DeLoreans? They were like, whoa, this is dangerous. Get, get, get them out of here. No. Get them out of here. This is. In real life, I mean. Yeah. Real life. They got rid of DeLoreans. They were like, that's what you can do with a DeLorean? No way, Jose. No. Get it out of here. (laughs) No. So, yeah, that's. I'm, we're not clear on the rules of time travel here. No, because they don't really give you any. No, they don't. It's very vague, and I think they just want to be vague so they don't get caught in a trap. <laughs> yes, intentional <laughs> vagueness. But there's so many references that you can you can look at how time travel has already been portrayed and just mm-hmm. be like, you know what? I'm into that one. Yeah. Those rules are going to be my rules. Right. That's acceptable. Yeah. We will accept it. Yes. But I get the sense that your past self is displaced and you are now then replacing Mm -hmm. them. But I don't know what effect that has. Because they didn't do anything out of the ordinary. So Mm -hmm. 
you know, they basically did what they did that night, just slightly differently. Yeah. Like, I imagine Diana didn't float that night. Yeah. Or something. But. Right. So, but what impact if you did do something wildly outrageous? We have no idea if it would change anything or if it's in its own little time bubble. Yeah. Its own little alternate timeline now. Like, we, we really don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We will see. We will see. So, oh, yeah, yeah. we've done all this preparation. And finally, things are starting to conclude. So everyone's starting to part ways. They say their goodbyes and they take their new places and positions in the immediate future. As we said, they kind of wanted everything to seem normal. They didn't want to let on that anything different was happening. So they still, I guess every year they have like a Halloween celebration at the Bishop home. So Diana and Matthew stay at the Bishop home to take care of that. Nathaniel and Sophie go on their way. Em and Sarah are actually going to go on a, like a camping trip with some friends. Mm-hmm. And then they're actually going to go stay at set tour with Isabeau and uh, Mart. Mm-hmm. And uh, just be one old happy little family. And then I think Marcus and I forget her name. Miriam. <laughs> Miriam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, are going to, I don't know continue doing what they do you know marcus might go take up some different duties with the lamentable lazarus and then you know i think hamish returns so everyone splits ways you know trying to make it as seem as normal as possible so then you know they celebrate halloween and things start to kind of happen in the house that indicate to diana and matthew that it's it's time to go so the page and the letter from diana's mother actually disappear we don't know what that means but it happens. And then Matthew finds a ring from Isabeau for Diana. So she, this is like her ultimate, like, I approve of you guys being together, you know. And so she gives, gives him the ring and he gives Diana the ring, puts it on her finger and then they exchange vows. So they are like married for the second, third time, you know, emotionally they are double triple married at this mm-hmm. point still no right. no legal marriage but emotionally we are committed i i wonder why they didn't just get married because he <laughs> left all of his property to diana in his will yeah she is leaving her property to their children right even the vampire children yeah. like why would they not have just gotten a marriage license well probably because of the whole congregation thing you know it's not allowed so but they're time walking right so just go that same day get a marriage license right and just don't file it yet or something i don't know or have hamish file it exactly later he's a lawyer i'm assuming it's just to keep the secrecy of their relationship because although they're emotionally you know tied they don't even though the congregation has suspicions maybe they don't mm-hmm. want to like outright say yeah yeah we're married and screw you <laughs> right i don't know it just seems like maybe it it does gotten married <laughs> yeah yeah that's the only reason i can think is they're yeah. trying to stay under the radar even though the congregation already knows yeah they're still trying to stay under the radar with it yeah but we're just going to reiterate that we're married 10 times right you still married we're still married we're married. Yeah, they're calling each other <laughs> husband and wife. Right. And I'm just like, you went through all the work of the paperwork. <laughs> the power of attorney, the will, the property. Because his will's going to be filed. 
Yeah. That's a public document. True. And they're going to see that he left all of his shit to Diana. Why are you leaving your vampire things to a witch? No way. Including vampires and hers, too. You make a you make a valid point, friend. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm a nitpicker. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so they they make some some more emotional vows. And then Isabeau sends another note to Matthew and his silver pilgrim's badge, badge, his silver pilgrim's badge, which we haven't mentioned, but basically it's this coffin silver necklace that he wears as a reminder of a tragedy in his past. There was a woman that he loved that due to an altercation, she unintentionally was killed. And so he kind of wears it as a reminder of past mistakes and just, you know, whatever. But he can't take it with him. And I don't know that he necessarily feels like he needs it anymore. He Mm -hmm. used to kind of use it as a talisman to like kind of help ground him. But now he, I don't think he emotionally needs it anymore also they can't take a ton of things to the past that yeah shouldn't belong or that would confuse their walk like mm-hmm. they're making the exception for this wedding ring that isabeau gave them which she's old as heck so yeah it, it you know i don't think it would confuse their time walk too much so but they so they leave the necklace for the house to protect and some books that we're not sure why Isabeau gave them to Matthew, but so he left the books and the necklace for the house to protect, and then they head off into the past. And our very last chapter is actually from the point of view of Aunt Sarah. She reads a letter that Matthew left for her, reassuring her that they made it safely made it to the safely past. to whatever time they were going yeah. to. And how he sent this letter, we don't know. So. Something happens in the fire with the letter and the necklace. I believe that Aunt Sarah burns the letter and the necklace. I couldn't um, remember because it said something about them like mingling or swirling, but mm-hmm. I but I didn't know if that was like magical significance or yeah, them just yeah. like being destroyed. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think to prevent any evidence that they had time walked to the past for the congregation, she burns it. Yeah. So, and that's it. That's the end of the book. Yep bit of a cliffhanger indeed so because i don't think at this point i don't even know if we know the year that they're time walking to no yeah and i i've actually read part of the second book so i know a little more than i'm letting on but i also still don't understand a whole lot of things so but no it diana did not know matthew didn't tell her i think maybe right before they leave he might have told her the year maybe yeah. But we don't know the significance of that yeah. year or anything. Right. So I did also listen to a bit of the second. So I also I know the year that they end up going to. I just yeah. couldn't remember if he tells her like right at the very end here or if it's not until they actually get there. I think he tells her right before they go because he has to. Yeah. Because he's describing it to her uh-huh. and she's kind of like seeing it or whatever. So he has to tell her where they're going otherwise... He couldn't get there. But yeah, he kept it a secret from her until the very last moment. Yeah. I don't know why, but he did. So yeah, that is where we are. This is why we didn't include the discussion in this episode. Because that was with very little extrapolation on our part. Yes. We did tell a few lengthy stories. (laughs) (laughs) 
That just helps you get to know us more, though, you know? That's right. We're fun people. Okay, so that's it for the plot summary. Yes. Please um, do all your things, like rating and reviewing. And following. I don't, you know, didn't tell you the the socials at at the top of the episode, but on Instagram, it's at We Read Books Pod. TikTok is at We Read Books Pod. And our email is wereadbookspod23 at gmail.com. Yes. So you may email us. You may reach out to us on socials. And we'll probably respond to you. I almost said we promise. I don't know why we wouldn't, but I don't want to make... (laughs) We don't want to make false claims. False claims, exactly. So now that you've come to the end of this... You may head on over to the discussion. (laughs) And listen to even more (laughs) ramblings from us. (laughs) It's going to get juicy. So get out there, cause trouble, and read books. Yeah. (laughs)